So, um, parables are like jokes in that a joke tends to be pretty contextual. There are things that the joke teller is going to assume that you know ahead of time. Now, some jokes require a lot more context and some maybe not quite as much. Um, I'll give you an example. Two German soldiers are standing next to each other. One turns to the other and says, Hey, how many Frenchmen does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. We should invade France and find out. That's the joke. Um, I didn't say it was funny, but it's technically a joke. But in order to get that joke, you need to know that that whole genre of how many blank does it take to screw in a light bulb uh, of a joke and how that all works, like how many therapists does it take to screw in a light bulb? Only one, but it has to want to change. <laughs> See, you also need to kind of know maybe how a therapist thinks for that one. But uh, for my original joke, which just felt totally flat, which is very sad to me, um, <laughs> You not only need to know about that whole like genre, you need to know that Germany invaded France in the late 1930s and started a world war. Like there's a lot that you have to kind of pull together and we do it very quickly and really without thinking. Parables are the same way. That when Jesus, or really anybody, is telling a parable, they are making assumptions about certain things that you know. Some don't require a lot of kind of background, like uh, the, the shepherd who has 100 sheep, 99 stay there and one goes missing. And so he goes and finds that one lost sheep and then is really excited and throws a little party for it when he finds it. You basically just need to know that sheep have shepherds. But when we get to our parable for today... There's kind of a lot that Jesus is assuming about his audience. And we can kind of suss some of it out, like Pharisees, all right, um, kind of self-righteous, tax collector, bad. But it's, there's more to it than that. Now, fair warning, after we get through some of this, there's a very big twist to this parable that I suspect many don't see coming. So first off, you have Pharisees. Pharisees were the religious elite. They were kind of like a populist movement. Uh, many, or, or really the idea of being a Pharisee is to live your entire life as though you were living in the temple. So like living in the presence of God. So they were very, very strict, uh, very faithful, very pious. They knew their Bibles better than you or I could ever imagine. Uh, they were very keen on discerning how God wanted them to live. Uh, by and large, they were good people, very faithful followers of God. However, as you may have noticed, if you've read the New Testament at all, there were some who were extremely legalistic, you don't invite them to a party because they will ruin it kind of types. Uh, and, and really, the line is kind of split down the middle. There's about half of the Pharisees that were like that. Half were, honestly, people that, that really deserve our respect. 
So when Jesus uh, introduces a Pharisee into the story who goes to the temple to pray, your first reaction should be, well, of course, he loves God and he loves God's word. And he is simply seeking to faithfully follow God. He's a good guy. Then you have the tax collector. Tax collectors, um, I, I, I kind of prefer the term, uh, the, the, it's sort of obnoxious, but the, uh, the term indigenous tax farmer. When the, yeah, when the Romans took over, and they learned this from the Greeks, but the Romans perfected it, they realized that they can extract the most taxes most effectively from their conquered people by employing some of the people that they conquered. They would, they would kind of know the ins and outs of the villages, roughly how much is going to be produced and all of that. And so if somebody wants to sell themselves out to the occupation force, the occupation force would say, okay, this is how much we expect. You know, a, a dollar amount or, you know, shekel amount or whatever. Um, and anything more that you collect goes right into your pocket. There were kind of ranks and it was kind of a pyramid scheme. And like certain jobs, you can imagine that this attracted a certain kind of person. Somebody who was willing to sell himself out against his own people to charge taxes for things like breathing Roman air, to charge taxes for Roman protection, kind of like a Chicago-style shakedown or something like that. In other words, just kind of generally not a good person. <laughs> I don't want to sound too judgmental, but, you know, if the shoe fits. So when Jesus pairs a Pharisee with a tax collector, um, for his audience, there's kind of an obvious hero there. It would be the Pharisee. Nobody likes tax collectors, and not just because they don't like paying taxes, it's because they are sellouts and they are making money off of the backs of their own people. And then they get to praying. So the Pharisee very, thinks very highly of himself, and he has kind of the audacity to tell God what he has done for God. As though God needs anything from us. Now, remember what I said earlier. There is a twist coming. Now, he, he, has the, he says, you know, I tithe, I pray, I fast. And more to the point, he says, God, I thank you. I'm not like that guy over there. Um, now, this kind of... I don't know, insult or portrayal of a Pharisee in a bad light is not unheard of. And in fact, a little bit later, um, Jewish writing uh, in what's called the Babylonian Talmud, tra uh, tracted Sotah Folio 22b, if you ever need, it's actually Googleable and it's very interesting. But they list seven different kinds of Pharisees and six of those depictions are not kind. So people were kind of aware of this. But Jesus, as Luke explains, Jesus tells this parable specifically 
for that line. Like, God, I thank you I'm not like that guy. Hmm. And then he moves to the tax collector who is overcome by guilt. And again, he deserves it. <laughs> he, he does not feel good about himself, and that is an accurate portrayal uh, as far as tax collectors generally go. And he, he's so guilt-stricken, he can't even lift up his eyes, and he's beating his chest. He's like, God, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, one of those, that guy, goes home justified. That's not the twist, by the way. So you have Pharisee, genuinely faithful follower of God. You have the tax collector, the, the person who is who's really by his career choice, is sinful and unclean and just kind of terrible. Um, And like I said, there's a reason why he got into that kind of work, if that makes sense. And yet, the tax collector is the hero because he's the one whom God forgives. Again, that's not the twist. Here's the twist. The way Jesus tells this parable, it is constructed so that we as the hearers or readers do to the Pharisee what the Pharisee does to the tax collector. You can hear a pin drop. We've been judging this guy the whole time. We've been kind of led on because this, this, this parable holds a mirror to our own hearts. Like looking at the guy, the Pharisee going, God, I thank you I'm not like that guy. But my attitude, our attitudes really, this whole time is like, well, but God, I thank you I'm not like that Pharisee. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Um... There's something about the human condition that in a way almost compels us to treat others with contempt. People that that are either different from us or we consider lesser than. Um, You know, as we're gearing up for an election, the obvious uh, example here is, well, God... I thank you I'm not like Republicans, or I thank you I'm not like Democrats or Libertarians or Independents or, or, or whatever. We have a tendency to look at the people with whom we disagree and just kind of assume that we're better than them in some way. It could be subtle. It could be that, oh, God, I thank you that I'm more right than they are. Right like correct, not right left spectrum. I mean, you can look at, you know, especially in Albuquerque, you're driving around and you see somebody at the corner begging for money. Um, It's easy to make assumptions about what brought them to that point. And it's easy to pat ourselves on the back and say, well, at least I haven't made those mistakes. 
And so this parable holds up and shows us a really dark spot in our hearts. An odd topic for Pastor Appreciation Weekend, but... (laughs) Uh, Whoops. (laughs) But the reality is that, of course, we are like that Pharisee. Of course we are. Because that's the problem. If we weren't like the Pharisee, this, I mean, honestly, faithful follower of God, probably generally a good person. If we weren't like him, then really the rest of the story of Jesus wouldn't really matter, would it? I mean, as Jesus is going around and telling these stories, he's making lots of friends, but he's also hitting these pain points along the way. Um, Or to put it a different way, if you go around telling stories like this that actually show people who they really are, they will eventually kill you. And we're in chapter 18. That process gets started in chapter 19. Jesus tells this parable, as Luke uh, explains, to show us our own hearts. But the story doesn't end there. Just like I'm not stopping with this, therefore, you guys are super judgmental, have a blessed Sunday. That's not the Christian story. The Christian story continues on. Jesus holds up this mirror to all of us and then walks into Jerusalem knowing that the religious powers that be are going to conspire, condemn, and kill him. Jesus, the only one who is by his very nature justified found worthy before God, goes and dies in the place of people like you and me who, who can't seem to stop elevating ourselves over other people. And when Jesus goes into his grave and the Apostle Paul will tell us that we actually die with him in our baptism... And God raises Jesus from the dead and he creates this new reality that the Bible calls new creation. That that new reality actually becomes our story. It becomes our heart. That yeah, you can hold up this mirror and it's good and healthy to do so. And when we are shown like those dark parts in our own heart, And we acknowledge them. We also acknowledge that we are part of a story that doesn't end there. That, yeah, I'm just as guilty as that Pharisee, and if you want to be really accurate, just as guilty as that tax collector too. But in Jesus, that no longer defines who I am. I am a person of new creation. 
You are people of new creation. Forgiven. Brought into a different story entirely. A story of redemption. A story of the perfect, the worthy one. The only righteous one. Dying in the place of those who seriously do not deserve it. And so just as much as that parable has a twist that we do to the Pharisee, what the Pharisee does to the tax collector. There's perhaps one more twist. The person telling the parable that reveals that we are, in fact, the bad guy in this story has actually given himself for us. And now deep within our hearts is this new creation. We are part of a different story entirely. Amen.